you have your Bibles for a few moments today, I want to take you to the book of Exodus chapter 3. And I'm going to read a very familiar passage of Scripture, but one that the Lord just keeps bringing me back to. And sometimes I don't understand all of the ways of the Lord. I'm not smart enough to figure all of that out, but I do know that I can't seem to get away from this. And so today, I'm just going to open my heart and talk to you out of this portion of Scripture, Exodus chapter 3, begin reading with verse 1. The Bible said, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, a bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned, it is interesting to me that Scripture would take note that he turned. He turned aside to see. God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place, everybody say the place. The place whereon thou standest is holy ground. It wasn't a temple, it wasn't a tabernacle, it wasn't a mausoleum, it wasn't a sanctuary, it was the backside of a desert. But he said, the place where you stand, everybody say, the place where I stand is holy ground. Amen. You know, sometimes I have a hard time coming up with a good title, and I thought about this this morning. What I really want to preach about, I have to be very careful because I I want to preach about the backside. And I thought, well, I could call it God knows where your backside is. But I thought that wouldn't sound too good. So I'm just going to say God knows where the backside is. Everybody say that with me. God knows where the backside is. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Moses is one of the most powerful figures in all of Scripture. When we look at Moses' life and we consider the man, certainly we do not think long upon the beginnings because there are so many powerful events that happened in his life. And yet at this particular moment in time, at this particular juncture in his life, Moses looked like anything but the leader that he was to come to be. He looked like anyone but one who would stand before Pharaoh. 
and give commands to the great powerful leader of Egypt to let my people go and then find that Pharaoh would yield to his command and Israel would be let go and he would lead them out by the mighty hand of God and through this man and his intercession, God was able to take them from bondage into the land of promise. But at this moment, everybody say this moment, at this particular juncture of his life, he looked like anything but the leader that he was to become. He is on the backside of a desert. He is in a lonely place. And he is isolated from everybody and everything. You know, it's hard for us to really grasp this particular setting. And I thought about it early this morning. You know, it's kind of like trying to have a, a flower show on the radio. You can talk about how beautiful they are and you can talk about the fragrance and you can describe every detail of the flower, but it just doesn't do seeing or hearing it through the means of a radio. In order to really grasp what the horticulturist is trying to describe to you, you need to be able to touch it and feel it and lean over and smell it. And sometimes I'm afraid that we come to this book and we just read it like we're listening to a radio program. And somehow today we need to do more than that. We need to step into the story. We need to find ourselves where Moses was. In this lonely, isolated, desolate place called the desert. And not only the desert, but the scripture said he went to the backside of the desert. Now, I don't know the back side from the front side, but I don't like being in a wilderness of any kind. And yet that is where Moses was at that moment. I think one thing that God wanted me to tell somebody here today is that you have to be careful. That you do not allow a moment in your life to define your life. That even though at this moment in time you may feel that you're in the loneliest place in the world and nobody knows where you are, don't let your life be defined by that moment. Because it is just a moment. It is a season and it will pass. You will not always be in that lonely place. And for Moses it may have seemed like an eternity, but... The reality of it was it had only been a few years. And yet there in that lonely place, wondering what life meant and wondering with those sheep, he found God and God found him. The place was a wilderness. It was desolate and lonely. And into it, Moses had fled to escape so many things. If you go back to chapter 2 and you go through again the story of Moses' life, how that when he was born, he was brought into Pharaoh's house and he was treated as one of Pharaoh's children. While his people suffered under bondage, Moses was favored. 
He lived in the palace. He was educated by the, the philosophers of Egypt. And he was blessed by every, everything that Egypt could offer. The Bible said that it came a time in his life when he went forth to see his people. And what he saw disturbed him. And so he began to act in a way that he thought perhaps was beneficial to them. He tried to take things into his own hands. And, and first of all, he slew an Egyptian because an Egyptian was beating one of his own brethren. And thinking that his brethren would understand and embrace him as a deliverer, they turned against him. And they said, who are you? You're, you're, you're just one of them. You're just like the, the rest of them. And it was at that moment that, Pharaoh, that Moses realized that all of his plans had crumbled, and so he runs. He runs for a long ways. He runs until he comes to this place in our text. He has killed the Egyptian taskmaster, and now he is compelled to flee into these badlands and to escape into a desert that no doubt would allow him to lose himself. How many times in life do we just want to find a place where we can lose ourselves, Where everybody will just leave us alone and nobody will call us on the phone and nobody will text us or nobody will email and check on us. Just leave us to ourselves. And Moses was there. He is now in a desolate place. He has fled to get away from it all. His plans had failed. And what he had attempted had come to nothing. And, and so his hopes had been dashed. And everything in his mind of how God was going to use him had been dissolved. And there was nothing left but disillusionment. And so he is here in this lonely, desolate place on the backside of nowhere. The backside of nowhere. Have you ever felt like you were in the backside of nowhere? It, it just seems so isolated and alone that nobody could understand. And you, you have to understand that this wilderness was the polar opposite of what Moses' life had been like in Pharaoh's house. It was so opposite of the promisings of that place. And now here in this lonely, dry, desolate place, amid sand and sagebrush, how could anything good come? And yet it was in the midst of that setting that the voice of God came to speak to him and declare to him that the place where he was was holy ground. Holy ground. What an outrage to think that that hot burning sand could be something like the tabernacle or the temple or some holy shrine and yet God was speaking to him that right where you are is the most important place in all of the world and it was there <coughs> pardon me that God began to speak to Moses from the backside of the desert scholars have wondered many times why God picked this particular location there's no reason for it God could have spoken to Moses any place, any time, anywhere. But God chose this place for a particular reason. And I don't know, maybe he chose it that long ago so that thousands of years later 
in 2016, somebody would be sitting on a pew on a Sunday morning feeling like they were on the backside of nowhere. And they would need to know what Moses discovered on his backside of nowhere. That God knows where your nowhere is. He knows that lonely place where you are right now. He knows that place where you have gone to hide. And God has chosen to interrupt your hiding because he has something in mind for you to do. Perhaps God knew that Moses would not be the last to try to escape themselves. He would not be the only man or woman who would try to run away. How many people are running this morning is unknown to any of us. But I have come to learn in my years of pastoring that there's a lot of running that goes in life. People trying to get away from their troubles and get away from their hurts and their heartaches and get away from the things that they don't understand and get away from the things that they can't explain. And so they hide. But God knows where your hiding place is. Amen. God knows where your hiding place is. And he knows how to find you in that hiding place. He knows how to get where you are. He can come right to that particular location, that geographical location, wherever it might be. I believe that there is a, there is a geography of spirituality. I do believe that there are locations that God chooses to meet us in so that he can deliver the most powerful message that he could get to us. And that is that I know where you are. Nobody else may know where you are. Nobody else may understand where you are. Nobody else may even hear you when you speak. You're that alone. And yet God said, I have heard you and I have seen you. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to clap your hands to the Lord this morning and thank Him that He knows where I am. Amen. Somebody say, He knows. He knows where I am. Sooner or later, all of us have to come to the place in life where we can find God in a wilderness. It's easy to find Him in the lovely places of life when our families are blessed and when our finances are blessed, and when our lives are going the way we want them to go. But it's a different thing to find God amid the chaos and the distrust and the confusion and the turmoil and the pain. It's hard to understand that God could know where I am, even in this hiding place that I have found. Sometimes we don't have to go to a far place. We just pull within and we hide within ourselves. There are people hiding on pews all over America this morning. People that come to church and sit on the pew and they go through the same motion that you went through. But they're hiding. They're trying to cover something. There's a pain there. There's a hurt that they can't explain. There's something that they don't understand and so they have withdrawn themselves and it was to that place, that backside of life that God came to visit this man and deliver a message that I know where you are, Moses. I don't care where it might be. God knows where you are this morning and he knows how to get to where you are and he knows what to say to you when he gets there.
Amen. Helen Keller said this of her blindness and deafness. She said, I thank God for my handicaps, for through them I have found myself. I have found my work, and I have found my God. What a strange place to find God on the backside of nowhere. What a strange place to find God amid my blindness, amid my hurt, amid my pain. And yet that's the message that God's Word delivers to me this morning, is that no matter where you are, God has a way of getting to where you are, and God has a message to deliver to you where you are. That He's got something to tell you, that He's got something to say to you. You see, the wilderness became a place of revelation for Moses. Many things were revealed to him that day. I think first and foremost, the thing that God revealed to Moses was himself. God showed Moses, Moses. And I think he showed him that so that he could help him understand that God doesn't use you because of you. God uses you in spite of you. Amen. That God doesn't use you because you're perfect. God uses you because He's perfect. Amen. And that whatever has gone wrong in the past, whatever has failed, that doesn't mean that your life is a failure. Sometimes you just have to get up and go again. Amen. How many times do you have to taste failure before you give up? I don't know. I just haven't tasted enough of it yet. Because I'm not of the mind to give up. Giving up has never helped anybody. It's never gained one thing for my life. It's never done anything to add benefits or blessings to me. Giving up is not an option. And so though Moses had given up on a lot of things, God had not given up on him. And God found him in that lonely place. I wonder if on this strange Sunday morning in the month of March when a convoluted coming together of time and, and circumstances that brought us to this service that somebody could understand that God knows where you are and He's got a word to deliver to you. He's got a revelation to give you that this is not about you anyway. This is about Him. Amen. This is not about whether you are good enough. It's about whether He's good enough. And if you will allow God, God can take you in that desolate, lonely place. He can take the pain. He can take the hurt. And He can use it to become the benefit and blessing of your life that will make you the person that God wants you to be. I thank God for my handicap, she said, because they have helped me to find myself, to find my work, and to find my God. And so it was for Moses. He found himself there in that lonely, desolate place. He found out that it wasn't up to him whether Israel would be delivered. It was up to God. All he was was an instrument. You know, sometimes in life we try things and we fail and we think we have failed. We have not failed, just that thing failed. We need to find another thing to pick up and use because one failure does not mean that I am a failure. I don't allow that to define my life. I'm not going to let that lock me in 
to a particular place in life and this is all that I'm ever going to be. I'm just going to keep the sheep and I'm going to stay away from everybody and nobody's going to bother me. And God said, oh no, Moses, I've got something for you to do and what you tried before may not have worked, but there's still work for you to do. So pick up something else and let's go on. Somebody say one thing does not doom your life to failure. It does not doom your life to failure. One stumble, one mistake does not mark you as a failure. Sometimes we just have to learn that that's not what you do and that's not what you use. Find something else. And so Moses found out that God knew where to find him. And God invaded his life at an unlikely moment and he came in a most unusual way. He came with a burning bush. Sometimes I've wondered why God chose to come that way. Why didn't God just speak out of a thunder of lightning and do as he had done in the past? Why, why did he allow a bush to catch on fire and it burn and yet not be consumed? Somehow I feel like maybe it was because God wanted to know if Moses was paying attention. Yes, paying attention. Moses, are you paying attention? Are, are you aware of all that's going on around you? And it was because Moses was paying attention. The Bible said that when he saw the bush burning, he didn't just look at it and walk away. He looked at it and he looked at it again. He said, hey, something, something's going on over there. It, there's something to be said about men and women who will not just casually pass by and say, well, it's just another service. We're almost out. It's almost time to go home. I'm hungry. My stomach's speaking to me. But somebody would be attentive enough to put the antenna up and say, hey, maybe God's talking to me this morning. Maybe God's trying to get through to where I am and tell me that he understands where I am. It was a time of revelation from Moses a revelation of himself and a revelation of his work that God was going to do. More than that, it was a revelation of his God. Moses said, I can't do it, God. God said, I didn't ask you to do it. Amen. God didn't ask you to do it. He just said, let me use you to be a conduit so I can do it. Amen. Praise God. God's not asking you to be the answer. God just asking you to be the channel through which that answer can come. And so for Moses, he discovered that God was more than enough for whatever they were about to face. And God gave him a name, the name I Am, the God who will make things happen. So that no matter what question came up in his life, God's going to make it happen. It doesn't matter what we confront, God's going to make it happen. It doesn't matter what we run into, God's going to make it happen. Because it's not about me, it's about Him. And it's about His glory. And so there was a revelation of His God. Amen. And holy ground, holy ground became the ground on which He stood. Could I help somebody understand this morning that the hot ground of trouble that you stand on right now can actually become holy ground if you will allow God into your situation right now. Amen. If you will simply turn aside to see. The Bible said when God saw that, He spoke to him out of the bush. 
and said, Moses, take off your shoes, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. What a place to find holy ground in the middle of a desert, on the backside of nowhere. God knows where that's at. Amen. God doesn't know just where it's at. He knows exactly where it's at. I think more than anything, I think what God wanted Moses to know is that there is no place on this earth that is devoid of my presence, no matter where you are. You can be in the loneliest place in life, and yet God is there. The Bible said, the psalmist said, you can take the wings of the morning and you can fly like an eagle to the sky. You can ascend to the top of the mountain and when you get there, God will be there. Or you can turn and go down to the very depths of the ocean and go down even to hell, he said, and you will find that even in hell, God will be there. There's no place. Somebody say no place. There's no place that God's presence cannot be found. The loneliness, the darkness, the coldness, if you'll just start looking around, you'll discover God in your lonely place. And it was there that God began to prepare him for the work that was before him. We need that kind of insight this morning that can help us find God in the most unlikely place. How could it be that in this time of great pain would be my time of greatest growth. That in a time of great disillusion, disillusionment and turmoil that I could find my greatest comfort. How could it be that for somebody here this morning that's going through the most difficult time in your life, it could be the best time of your life. Amen. The great writer said these were the worst of times, these were the best of times. It seems a, a, a strange thing that you can have both at the same time. But it's true. You can be living in the worst situation right now, but you can get the best revelation that life could ever give you is that God is there. God is there. He's right where you are. He knows everything about what you're going through. He knows what's happening in your life. And he's got an answer. And God is going to prepare you right there to move into the next phase or dimension of your life. That life's pain and life's suffering is not lost. It is used. The writer in, in Ephesians chapter 4 said that we are to redeem the time. Everybody say redeem the time. Redeem the time. That means buy it up. Why do we buy it up? Because the days are evil. What was the man telling us? He was telling us that in troubling times, make the most of your opportunities. Because trouble means opportunity. And opposition means opportunity. That when things are as black and dark as they can be, I need to start looking around it's a good chance that God's right there, right now, waiting on me to understand and know that and open my heart to Him. Come on, lift your hands to Him right now and praise Him with me. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. And so God prepared Him in that moment of time, in that dark, place the backside of nowhere God began to work on him 
and put him in the frame of mind and the spirit he needed to be in to go forward and to become what God had called him to be from the beginning. Don't allow this moment to define your life as a loser or a failure. Let it redefine your life as becoming a place of transition and a place of revelation that in this darkness I'm going to find God. In this pain I'm going to discover something about God that I didn't know. In this sorrow and suffering I'm going to learn something about myself. I'm going to grow in God. I, I'm going to become more than I ever could have been without it. I, I'm not going to let this pain go unused. I'm not going to let this sorrow go undeveloped. I'm going to let it bring out the best in me, not the worst. Amen. You know, sometimes when people go through troubling times, it has a way of bringing out the worst in them. They're mean and cranky and hard to get along with. But you don't have to let life do you that way. You can say, God, I don't understand it. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what's going on around me. I don't even know if anybody knows where I'm at. And I don't know if anybody can hear me. But somehow, this has got to work for my good. I'm going to gain from my pain. I'm going to learn from my losses. I'm going to become, I'm going to face myself. Amen. I'm going to, I'm going to deal with myself. You know what? I've, I've been tempted many times sitting in office counseling people. to. I, I've been tempted many times to pull out a mirror and, and hand it to them and say, what, what do you see in, in that mirror? Because if you don't see that, nothing else that we're talking about is going to be able to be resolved or helped. If you don't see yourself, it doesn't matter what's wrong with everybody else. If you can't look at yourself. And I have a feeling that Moses could point out everything that was wrong with his people and with Egypt and everything. But he couldn't see himself until that moment when God let the mirror come up before him. And Moses said, oh, oh, that's me. God, I've got to become a better man than that. I, I'm not going to keep running from my problems. I'm not going to try to escape my issues. I'm going to stand up and face them. Prepare me for what is before me. Make something of me out of this pain that I'm going through. Don't let me waste these sorrows for nothing. Let me come out of it a better man. Let me come out of it a better woman. Let me come out of it a better person because you were there and because you and I met in that place, I could become everything you designed for me to become. Don't waste your sorrows. Amen. Don't waste them on just being sorry. Praise God. There are a lot of people that waste their sorrows just being sorry. And they want everybody else to feel sorry for them as well. And they wonder why that when it's all over with and there does come an end to it and they look back, all they see are empty pages. There's nothing there. There's nothing that they can report came out of that. When I look back over my life and I see those soil pages that have tear stains on them, I don't want them to be empty pages. I want things to be written there that God showed me and God talked to me and said, Hey, you've got to become better than this. You are better than this. You can do better than this. And I want to have learned something out of my pain and my suffering. 
I want to learn something on the backside of nowhere that God would forever etch in my soul and I would never get away from. Amen. God knows where your backside of nowhere is. He does. And He knows where you are this morning. And He sent a preacher with a very simple message that don't, don't, don't waste the pain. Don't waste the sorrow. Don't waste the uncomfortableness that you're going through right now. Let God give you the mirror of His Word and take a look. It may be painful at, per, at first, but if you look beyond that, you'll see that there's a hand of God working to recast that image and recreate you into the person that He wants you to be. Not the loser that you feel you are, but the winner that God designed you to be. That if you would look into that mirror, the, the mirror would reflect the man that you ought to be or the woman that you ought to be, not the person that you are right now. And it will show you that there's a way to become that. You can get out of this place. You're not going to have to spend the rest of your life in this backward place, this lowly, isolated place. But you can let this be a ground a holy ground that will put your feet on a pathway to God's plan and purpose for your life and not waste what's happened to you. Amen. Let's stand together. I, I preached all I know how to preach to you this morning. But somebody needs to understand that you can't waste what you're going through right now. You can't mark it off as just a bad experience and well, you know, <coughs> pardon me, it's just life, and that's the way life goes. You've got to understand that God knows where that place is, and He's there right now. Amen. He's there right now. God has a message to deliver. He has a revelation to give you. Amen. To see yourself as you are. To see more than that. To see yourself as you can be. The great thing about God is that God never God never shows me myself to put me down. He shows me myself to build me up. This may be what you are, but you shall be. Amen. You may have failed, but you're not a failure. That thing that you tried before didn't work, but that doesn't mean all of life's not going to work. Pick it up again. Find something else to do. Put your hand to the task again. Amen. Lift up your hands to the Lord right now. And let's talk to Him. Holy Ghost, I feel Your presence here right now. Hallelujah. I feel the nearness of Your presence in this place today, God. I know that You're aware of every one of us. You know the lonely places that people dwell today. You know the heartache and the pain. Oh God, don't let it be lost. Don't let it be lost, Lord. Don't, don't let the suffering be lost for nothing today, God. Let me learn. Let me gain something in this time of sorrow. Oh God, let me gain something in this time of suffering. Let me draw close to you, God. Let me find holy ground. Let me find holy ground today, God. Right where I am, holy ground. Sacred ground. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, let me find holy, holy ground. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. I wonder if you'd reach over and take somebody by the hand right now and let's pray together as a family. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. You know where we are today. You know what we're going through. You know the pain. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, you know where I am. You know where I am today. Make it holy ground. Don't let it be wasted, God. Oh, God, don't let my desert place be a lost place. Let it be a stepping stone. Let it be a platform, God, for preparation. Work on me this morning, God. Show me those things that I need to strengthen. Show me those areas, God, that I've got to grow up in. Show me, God, how I can become more like you. Oh, God, let me see myself. Let me see, God, that it's never been about me. It's always been about you. God, that you can use the weakest of vessels. You can use the weakest of vessels. You can use the weakest among us.